Welcome to the Shifting Our Schools podcast, where we believe learning never stops. We create innovative and flexible professional development opportunities that support the current research and thinking in education today. This week's podcast episode aspires to set you up to take another step forward on your personal learning journey. Now here's your host, Jeff Udick. Welcome back to another episode of Shifting Our Schools. Thank you for finding some time to have a listen today. I'm excited that I got to catch up with Kyle and John Hattie about their new book, 10 Steps to Develop Great Learners, Visible Learning for Parents. Before we get to that conversation, a quick shout out to Teacher Wit for being a sponsor of the Shifting Our Schools podcast and for hosting me last week in a live webinar on using portfolios as an assessment for learning. If you missed that free webinar, no worries. Just head over to teacherwit.com and join this growing and amazing community of inspiring educators. And you can watch the recording and get all the resources and templates for free there. Thank you to Teacher Wit for being a sponsor of the Shifting Our Schools podcast. Also, just a reminder, now is a great time to get me on your calendar for the upcoming school year, whether it's PD days or conferences you might have coming up. You can reach out to me on my website, jeffudick.com, or book a 30-minute chat with me in the show notes via the calendarly link. We can chat about your vision for your upcoming days and how I might be able to help and support educators in your organization. All right. I'm super excited that I got to catch up with Kyle and John Hattie. Most of you, I'm sure, have heard of John Hattie and all his research around visible thinking and visible thinking routines. And if you haven't heard of John Hattie, stop now and head to his website in the show notes and then go buy his books. However, this time, he's partnered with his son Kyle to publish a new book for parents called 10 Steps to Develop Great Learners, Visible Learning for Parents. This book is out now and available on Amazon and Barnes & Noble stores. I'm excited for you to get to hear about the mind frames for parents and how Kyle and John hope this book supports all of us in supporting parents in changing schools. And with that, on with the show. All right, welcome back. To another episode of Shifting Our Schools. I'm so excited to have the Hatties with me today. I got John and Kyle Hattie all the way from Australia. Uh, it's great. It's amazing with technology. None of us had to fly anywhere. We just have to open up our screens and, and, and be able to connect this way. Uh, so it's great to, to have you both here uh, talking about the new book that you're publishing called 10 Steps to Develop Great Learners, Visible Learning for Parents. Kyle, let's kind of start with you. Can you give us a quick background of like where you're from, what's your background, and and why this book? Why now for you? Yeah, perfect. Um, yeah, so obviously I'm Kyle Hattie. I started writing this book with Dad um, a while ago now, and I think it sort of came about when uh, my my first daughter was born, and all the stories and anecdotes and advice that Dad gave me from his idea of um parenting uh, back when i was a kid and i think i asked him um i think the question was sorry i just completely mind blanked it's okay <laughs> um surely there's some research on it dad being a research person yeah and constantly going after every review every article there is i, I asked him surely there's got to be something and he just goes 
I don't know. I'll have to check. <laughs> that's sort of how it started. Uh, that's awesome. And John, how about you? I mean, obviously you have this new test experiment now with a, with a grandchild. Is this what drove you to kind of get into this? Oh, look, it's wonderful. I've, I've now got five grandkids, but as Kyle was saying, it was a really stepping back moment for me when he confronted me and with all my beautiful, beautiful recommendations right. in front of me with surely this research. And um, it turned out there is no surprise. There is a lot of research on parenting. There is a lot of meta-analyses. And so we pulled all those together and it took us five or six years of fighting and arguing and writing and query to get the book into the shape. And um, we were able to trial it on, on the grandchildren at the same time. <laughs> That's great. <laughs> That's really good. Um, yeah. So again, once again, the book is called 10 Steps to Develop Great Learners, Visible Learning for Parents. Can you maybe, John, talk about how this fits in with your other uh, research around just visible thinking, visible learning uh, that you're so well known for? Yeah, it, it, obviously it does, given the title and given the themes. And we're arguing in the book, it's not what parents do, it's how they think about what mm. they do. And trying to pick up those really top ways of thinking but the other thing that we're trying to get across in the book is parents are not first teachers. That dramatically contrasts with the role of teachers that we have in schools. We're arguing parents are first learners, and that is a dramatic way in which they can have an effect on their kids. It's about how they go about learning is how their children will go about learning and how they can foster that. So there is a lot of overlap, really, between the, the visible learning research, but of course, this book is based on the research on parents, parenting. I love that. And the book, what, one thing I really appreciate about the book is it, it breaks down the 10 mind frames for parents and then dives into those. And I want to just talk about a couple of those that really, I as I was kind of going through, just were really impactful uh, to me. And Kyle, maybe I'll, I'll start with you on come a, a couple of these mind frames. And again, John, I like the way that you frame that, right? These are, it's, it's a framework that we work from. It's a mindset for parents to be thinking about when we're actually talking about this stuff. So Kyle, can you can maybe talk about this idea of I love learning? How, how as a parent, what, what does that mean and how do we convey that to our kids? I think it's one of the ones that where we, we constantly got to think about because um, kids at school, kids growing up, they have an idea, a preconceived idea of what learning is from the very, the very beginning. And they've got to be able to go make mistakes, look at errors, and actually enjoy the whole process. I, I remember a um, story from my daughter when we first when we moved to Australia. We were driving past the school she was going to go to. She just, I hadn't started school yet, um, only, only just turning five. And um, she was a bit quiet one day when we got closer to, closer to the school. And I asked her what she's thinking about. And she says, um, I'm worried about school. I said, okay, I don't know how to read yet. How can I learn? And I sort of stopped and listened to her and then um, said, but that's why we go to school. So, so you will learn how to read. Right. And, and sort of constantly looking back at that and constantly thinking around how do we get it and how do we get our children to think about what learning actually is mm. and what the process how do, how do I, as a parent, model that I'm learning all the time? And how do we see, show that that's okay? Mm. And really enjoy the curiosity around learning something new 
and that's where I think we're going with this. Mm. And I love that. And I think that adds, I think that that's a great segue into uh, the next mind frame. And John, I'll let you kind of talk to this one. Uh, In the book, you call it, I know the power of feedback and that success thrives on errors. Can you kind of talk about that uh, mind frame from parents' perspective? Yeah. And it's those teachers who are familiar with the visible learning work, they'll know the incredible power of uh, feedback. But the problem with feedback is it's very variable. Hmm. Um, And sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't work. And trying to understand that. And the theme we play in this book is it's less about the feedback that parents give to their kids. And it's much more about whether the feedback was heard, understood, and actionable. Hmm. And I'm sure every parent with teenagers know that teenagers are brilliant at selective listening. Right. You need to say to them, tell me back what you told me, what I just said to you. Because you know that that's selective listening. And that's what they that's what we all do. That's what right. as let alone kids. And so checking that your feedback is good. And that other big theme that is if there is no forward where to next information in your feedback, it often isn't heard at all. Mm. Like kids, unlike teachers, are much less interested in what has happened. They want to know where they're going. Mm. Now there's nothing wrong with feedback about what has happened. It gives credibility. But the kids are much more um, looking forward. And so that whole notion is that you also, as a parent, have to get love getting feedback from your kids and demonstrating that you hear them, you understand them, and you can action their feedback. It's a two-way street if you want to have a maximum impact. Oh, I love that. It's a two-way street. And I love that because that, that goes into a lot of the other research, You like you said, around feedback and this idea of feed forward, right? Like feedback is only good as if there's a next step of what I'm supposed to do. Now that you told me, what am I supposed to do next? And if we don't do that, we leave our learner or our child kind of hanging in the balance. And the other part of that too also, Jeff, is if the feedback is got success criteria, like for example, you say to your kid, clean your room it's not near as impactful as if you say clean your room by taking everything off the floor, hanging up your clothes and uh, making sure you make it. So you've got success criteria. And we say that in thought, it's no different in the home. Right. I like that. I like that success criteria with your feedback. That's so good. That's awesome. Kyle, the next one I kind of want to talk about around these 10 mind frames for parents is the one, uh, I appreciate that my child is not perfect, nor am I. I think this yeah. is such a great one for parents to, to remember. Can you kind of maybe talk about that a little bit, Kyle? Yeah, I think that one is very key for parents to remember, especially first-time parents, um, because parenting is itself, and as I found out on my second, and um, it's not always easy. We yeah. don't always get it right, and that's okay, because neither, your kids won't either. <laughs> and, um, <laughs> and it's that idea of... Risk, risk happens. Kids yeah. fall down. Kids do things that they're not supposed to. Parents say or give shallow threats that is, instantly say it. They're just like, no, that's not what I was supposed to say. I shouldn't have said. <laughs> <laughs> but it's that idea of developing that dignity of risk. You know, it's, it's okay to have. And kids are going to kids are going to do things that are going to scare the bejesus out of you and um that's and it's it's an okay thing to remember as as a parent it's it's what you do about it and it's how you think about it going forward like if there was a situation where the child got into and you realize okay actually that 
plagiarism shouldn't have happened. What, what am I doing to rectify that later in the book? Um, and just knowing that the way you think and constantly reflecting on that and developing that idea of dig the, as we call it in the book, um, you start sort of see which, which risk taking is good, mm. you know, and which risk taking is going to lead to disaster later down the track. It's um, making that idea that the dignity of risk is a good thing because without that, kids are not going to trial new things. So having those failures, having those successes, um, trialing, scaling up a giant ladder in a playground where me as a parent, I'm on the bottom going, I cannot reach you. Right. <laughs> um, but Get back down here. Pretty much. And it actually happened a few days ago. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and it's it's terrifying, but yeah. it's it's okay because – Danielle was Danielle got up there perfectly fine. She was, she was totally safe, and she was so proud of herself. Mm. And me as a parent, going, okay, did I like that? Mm. No, but that's for me not to like. Not, not. Right, I love that. Yeah, yeah, and I just you know I, I think we forget that sometimes, especially I, I think you know a lot of times when you know, we take our kids into public. That's a lot of times where you see this, like, you know, you want to have this perfect child in front of others, but there's mm -hmm. mistakes made in, in social areas, especially when you're young, you know, we make mistakes in saying the wrong thing, doing the wrong thing, but that's how you learn. You learn through exactly. error, right? Yeah. Uh, and it's through those errors that, that actual learning occurs. Uh, and that's something to remember. No, none of us are perfect, in, including our children, uh, and we don't want them. And I love that idea of risk-taking, right? And where are we showing that as well? Like, hey, I'm taking a risk today. Not risking in like jumping off a building risk, but risking in like, I don't know, something you do around the house or something that we're going to, you know, do different or making something that I've never made before for dinner is a risk that you can also, you know, something as little as that sometimes can be showing your, your children risk uh, as well. So that, that I just really like that mindset as well. Uh, you know, our audience here on the podcast is mostly educators, school administrators. Uh, that's really who our listeners are. John, how do you kind of see schools and, and, and educators and, and administrators using this book uh, within the greater context and, and maybe around some of the other research and books that you've, you've published? Well, one motive for writing, writing the book was obviously a parent audience. But the other audience was that as we um, implement our visible learning work in schools, sometimes parents are the problem. Mm. Um, even though they all went to school themselves, they still think of their kid going to school as getting it right 100% of the time, never struggling, never failing, never making an error. So part of it was writing that. But the other was that as we were writing the book, COVID came along. And oh my goodness gracious, did parents see their child as a learner, mm. whereas mostly they want to see their child at school as an achiever. Um, and we want to... to feed into the opportunity that COVID gave to say to parents, hey, struggle's good. If the kid gets 100%, that works too easy. It is about the learning and failure and learning again, as we just talked about in that last uh, mind frame. And so uh, we would hope that teachers can use the book to say to parents, well, read this. This will give you a bit of a sense of how we think in mm -hmm. today's world. Because schooling has changed dramatically over the last 10 or 20 years from that relentless focus only on achievement, 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 to also bringing in these notions of learning. So we see that as another purpose of the school that parents, so that teachers can use it to say, read this, and then we'll talk about your child in a different way. 
I really like that. I think that's such a great lens as well. You're right. Like I, I was just uh, at a conference today at the NCCEE conference here in Seattle. And uh, it, the the idea of parents uh, came up as like we were talking about what are some roadblocks to change in education. And one of those things is parents. And, and I'm always saying like, I mean, education, I think, is one of the hardest things to change because everybody went through it. Whether or not you were successful at it, we all went through it. And so when you have children and your children, you remember what school is like for you, whether it was, whether it was a good experience or bad experience. But you filter. That's you right. You filter out all your struggles. You filter out all your errors. You filter out those things. Yeah. And you want perfection for your kid. That's right. And it's that, are they behaving? Are they above average? And are they doing well? But then you get those parents who, again, forget what happened when they're at school. They just want perfection That's of right. the teachers. That's not the reality, as Carl Yeah. I love that. Such a great book, such great timing. Uh, like you said, you know, what a great time for this book to come out when parents had a real insight into this idea. I love that. I'm going to title that for the podcast, Learning Versus Achievement. I think that was such a great lens uh, that you're right. Parents had had this actual firsthand look at what learning looks like and not focused on achievement during the pandemic. And, and what just a great way to look at this. Again, the title of the book, 10 Steps to Develop Great Learners, A Visible Learning for Parents. Uh, Kyle, John, Hattie, thank you both so much for taking time out of your busy schedules uh, to be here on the podcast and sharing your thoughts about your new book with all of us. Thank you, Jeff. Thanks for having us. We hope you've enjoyed this episode of Shifting Our Schools. If you found this episode helpful or inspiring, please make sure to subscribe and leave the team a five-star rating. If you want to learn more about the Shifting Schools team or download our free resources, head over to shiftingschools.com to see what's on offer now. Thanks for listening, and we'll catch you next week for another episode to keep rethinking the shifts our schools need.